Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. So we're going to finish Mark today. We read 15 in the interlude, and we're going to touch on, we're going to talk about 16. So open up your Bible to Mark chapter 16. The big idea for today's message is super small. Faithfulness is the key to discipleship. Faithfulness is the key to discipleship, true discipleship. Mark 16, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start where we ended last. <clears throat> the ladies were like, they looked up, right, and they're like, Wait, hold on. Who's going to roll the stone away? How are we going to do this? This is, you know, we, we want to do this, but we're going to, how are we going to do this? And then they looked up, and the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away. Let's continue. Verse 5. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe sitting at the right side. And they were alarmed. You would be too. I would be. And he says, don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they put him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter. Remember that statement. Go tell the disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of them into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. They went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. Yeah. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. So they just, they're like, ah, what do we do? And they kind of like got together and they were afraid and they didn't say anything. And then we hear in the other gospels what they actually, they finally did go to the disciples and, uh, and they went too. But I want to I key in on this for a few minutes. This scene begins with one more example of the upside-down kingdom of God. At the very end, the minor characters come out of the woodwork to display their faithfulness. We read about it. Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. You don't hear anything about Joseph of Arimathea until now. Another passage in, in, in the Gospel of John, Nicodemus is with him. Then we have Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, Salome, the mother of James and John, you know, Mama Thunder. That's who we're talking. Salome is Mama Thunder, okay? And Joanna, wife of Sheza, the household manager of King Herod's palace. She comes out of the woodwork. Everyone in the former category of disciples has fled. They're gone. And none of them come to claim Jesus' body. Yet this minor characters are elevated in Mark's narrative. In in his description of the following and ministering to Jesus, their discipleship is almost palpable. He, he, He elevates the minor characters. He elevates the minor characters. What is this? What is this? Why, why do I care? Why do we care about this? You are not a minor character. 
Well, I'm not the pastor up on the stage. I didn't, I don't, I can't play the guitar and do this. I, you know, you are so important to God. He even sideswipes, sidelines the disciples in this narrative. And he elevates all these women and these minor characters. And what does it say? They are disciples too. So what's the key to discipleship? Faithfulness. Not showiness. Not ability. Not charisma. But faithfulness. Some, some people, I, 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 I don't know. I'm just not extrovert. I, I could, you know. So what? Remember the story of Mary and Martha? There's Mary's and there's Martha's. There's Mary's who are like, you know, she's probably dancing and she's on the worship team. You know, she's very spiritual. And then there's Martha's who just work their rear ends off for, the, for, for Jesus. They're behind the scenes. They're making donuts and coffee so that all the extroverts can eat. Everybody's valuable. Mark is saying this. He's saying the, 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 charisma, the charismatic ones, the ones who healed people, the ones who preached the gospel, they're hiding behind locked doors. And now these ladies are coming to the fore. Faithfulness is the key to discipleship. Mark in, in, uh, Mark's intent is hardly ambiguous. They are disciples. So there's three words I want to use in alliteration today um, of what it takes to be a disciple. All right? I, I was tempted to name this, this sermon the three F words. But I just, I didn't think it would be appropriate uh, for, because it's, it's, it's F words in alliteration. Come on. Uh, but the first F word, <laughs> the first word of alliteration is this, faithfulness. Faithfulness. Let's talk about it a little bit. This is what we see the bit players on Easter narrative. They were faithful. They were self-denying. They put themselves out there even when it was unpopular or even dangerous to do so. That's faithfulness. Right? When, when you do things or you act in a, in, a, in a positive way, when all the things line up for benefit for you, that's not faithfulness. But when the, when the chips are down, man, and life is tough, and, and, and there's every reason to, to, to run and lock yourself in a door, inside the doors, and you still show up, that's faithfulness. That's faithfulness. That's faithfulness. I see she got you into a tie. Ha! <laughs> that's, faith, that's faithfulness, baby. <laughs> when the chips are down, <laughs> say yes, dear. It's going to be a long marriage. I love it. Good job. The second word of alliteration is this. Failure. Faithfulness, failure. According to Mark, even the faithful women at the end succumb to fear and fail to report to the disciples right away. Even they had their problems. Even these faithful women who Jesus uh, sends an angel to, 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 to give the message right at the beginning. Even they 
succumbed to fear and failed in their job. He said, go tell the disciples. Oh, yeah, and remember, don't forget Peter. And then they didn't. The indication here is if you look at the other Gospels, it took Jesus actually speaking to Mary Magdalene to, to, to get them to do what they were supposed to do. That's the, that's the indication from the other Gospels. It took Jesus actually showing up and revealing himself to Mary Magdalene for them to run and get to tell people. All right? So anyway, Mark is telling us that even the faithful fail. In fact, the entirety of the agreed-upon text of these chapters reinforces the idea that disciples fail. Disciples fail. Deal with it. Faithfulness mixed with failure is the, is the pathway for every disciple. It's, it's just inevitable. However, the account is not without hope. The specific and seemingly redundant mention of Peter Go tell Peter. Now, why is this so important that the angels actually spiked out Peter on this? Because Peter, at this point, is not including himself in the number of the disciples. Why? Because he denied Christ. At the, at the night of his uh, arrest, Peter denied him three times. So Peter, he says he went away bitter and he wept. He's like, I am, I'm, I am disqualified. I am disqualified. So the angel's like, hey, go tell the disciples and make sure you loop in Peter too because he failed. He failed, but I want him to know too. There's hope for those who have failed in their discipleship. If I asked you today, how many of you have failed at being a good person? Now, I'm not saying you're not a good person. See, some people think, you know, I'll get to heaven because I'm a good person. Now, that might be true. You might be a good person. And if getting to heaven was reliant on you being mostly good and not mostly bad, then, yeah, you might. But that's not what the scriptures say. How many people have ever failed? Come on. There's going to be one kid like. No. You know. We've all failed. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. We all have. So we have to understand that faithfulness is, in its, in its completeness is unattainable. We're going to fail. But do we let the failure disqualify us from service? Because that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is serving Jesus. Yeah, you've you failed. I failed. Listen, if, if, if perfection was the job requirement for being on this stage talking to you today, there would be somebody else up here. In fact, no, actually there wouldn't be. There would be nobody up here. We all have our stuff. We've all fallen short. But it can't, you can't let it disqualify you. You can't be one of those people who say, I, you know, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to be part of the God's people because, you know, the, the roof would fall in if I went in there because I'm so bad. You got to you got to understand you got to cut yourself some slack. God loves you. The Bible says while you were yet enemies of God, Christ died for you. You're going to fail. Which leads us to the 
Last word in our three-part alliteration. Forgiveness. Faithfulness. Failure. Forgiveness. Faithfulness. Failure. Forgiveness. Verse 9 in your Bibles. Early on the first day of the week, after he had risen, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him as they were mourning and weeping. Yet when they heard that he had, was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe it. They did not believe it. Verse 12. After this, he appeared in a different form to two of them walking on the way in the country. This is that, that uh, road to Emmaus where he walked with two of the disciples. and They didn't even recognize him. And they went and reported it to the rest who did not believe them either. Now, we, we give these guys a hard time. <laughs> guys, they, they didn't have 2,000 years of perspective. Remember, this has never happened ever, 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 ever. Right? Never. This has never happened. Somebody didn't die and then decide he's not going to be dead anymore. Ever. So, yeah, I think a little skepticism should be somewhat understood in our part. The difference is this. Jesus told them this was going to happen. So this is why Jesus gets on their case a little bit, because he told them it was going to happen. Later, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at table. He rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart. Now, Jesus can do that. For me, I'm going to cut him some slack because I don't know how much I would have done much better. Jesus has the right to do that. He rebukes them. He said, guys, remember, remember back when I said this, that, and the other thing? This is it. This is what I was talking about. Why didn't you believe? Why didn't you believe? Because they did not believe those uh, who saw him when he had risen. Then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. He says this, I'm not, you're not only not disqualified. You're not only not disqualified because of your failure. But I'm going to use you in supernatural ways to bring other people to this knowledge of my sacrifice for them. This is huge. This is huge. Verse 19, this is, this is the end of the passage. So the Lord Jesus, after speaking to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the, accept, uh, the accompanying of signs. By the accompanying of signs. 
They went out. They went out. Now, their failure didn't disqualify them. It further built their testimony of forgiveness. Their failure, their stuff, their back, their, their history didn't disqualify them from the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and it didn't disqualify them from proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. It just built their testimony. Some of you have been spending your whole life, and you didn't even know it, but you've been spending your whole life building your testimony. How God saved you from all that. And that's okay. Some of these young guys, their testimony is, God saved me from all that before I even got into it. Let me say amen to that. That's a good thing. But God saved us from all that stuff. But everything that you've gone through, every tragedy, every bad move, every unfaithful thing you've done, at this moment right now, can be translated into a disqualification, right? Or it can be the building blocks of an amazing testimony. And you can be used by God. Your failures don't disqualify you. They just build your, your testimony when you give it to Jesus. Remember, the big idea of today's message, remember this. The big idea of today's message was this. Faithfulness is the key to true discipleship. Faithfulness is the key to true discipleship. Now, I want to I spin that. I want to spin that a little bit. Because who are we talking about? It's not our own faithfulness that we rely on. It's not our own faithfulness. These guys are going to get back up here because they're going to sing again. It's not our own faithfulness that we rely on, right? We have all fallen short of being truly faithful. We are not, we are, uh, we are no one of us who is righteous. No, not even one. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. I want to read a couple verses to you that speak to this. You ready? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. So what does true discipleship rely on? Faithfulness, right? The key to true discipleship is faithfulness. But it has more to do with his faithfulness than ours. Right? You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But he gave it anyway. It's his faithfulness. What, is the, what does the passage say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know what that mean? It means you got some unrighteousness, so I have some unrighteousness. But he is faithful to cleanse us from those things if we'll just confess our sins. We have failed. We will fail. But he never fails. He went to the cross so that I am not judged on my worst failures, but I am judged on his greatest success. Man, aren't you glad? About, can, we, can we, anybody like be a little happy about that? I am not judged on my worst day. I am judged on his great grace, his best day. He loved you so much that he conquered the grave so you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of that. Why? Because he conquered it. 
By his new life, we are made new. Let me read a couple of verses to you straight. Let the words do the word. Ready? Let the words do the work. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Behold, a little mix of the old, the, the King James in there, behold. The new has come. All that stuff in your past, all that stuff that has, I felt for this, this young woman that I talked to, man, she's trying so hard under a false belief, and it's not working out for her, but she won't surrender to Christ. Surrender to Christ. All those old things will be passed away, and there's newness in him. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son, of the son he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Anybody want a piece of that today? We've been, we've been studying through Colossians in our, in our life groups. And there's another one from Colossians chapter 2. And I love this one. Verse 13. And you, when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our transgressions. I would encourage you, in your Bibles, whenever you get to one of those sections and you see the word all, circle it. Because all means all. And there's not one that escapes that. There's not one thing that escapes the all. Right? All means all. He says, he forgave us from our trespasses. All our trespasses. Verse 14, he erased the certificate of debt with all its obligations that was against us and opposed to us. And has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Your debts, your death sentence, he took that debt and he nailed it to the cross. I love it. And this next part is great because this is where we see Christ doing a little strutting here. It's okay. He's allowed to strut. He says this. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. And triumphed over them in him. He mocked them. He used their, their own weapon against them. 1 Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the message of Easter. That is very good news for all of us. I don't care if you're one of the youngest kids in the group, you're a teenager, young adult, old like me, or really old like, no, I won't say any names. 
I don't care. I don't care. This is for you today. And I, I hope you want a piece of it. I hope you want the whole pie. That's the message of Easter. For you. For your family. For your neighbors and your coworkers. That's why I stand here year after year preaching the same exact message. Every Easter we say the same thing, basically. That's why Easter is so special. I say the same thing because it's the only story worth telling. The fact that Jesus died for your sins while you were yet in your sins. His faithfulness covers our failures brings us to forgiveness. Would you stand with me? Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you want to find out more about New Life Church, you can connect with us at discovernewlife.org. We hope to see you soon.